No one likes to feel stuck, especially by your cloud. But the IBM cloud is the most open and secure public cloud for business. It can manage all your apps and data anywhere. Smart loves problems. IBM, let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash flexible. This is The Sporting Life on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Here's Jeremy Schapp. It is a week in which the New England Patriots are being investigated for cheating again. So we start the show with just the right guest. Actually, she had already been booked. Julie Fenster, whose new book is Cheaters Always Win, the story of American Julie. I should point out this is not a book specifically limited to sports. Uh, far from it. But, but sports is a part of it. That's a provocative title. Cheaters Always Win, the story of America. Is it really true? Well, I should also point out that it's not strictly limited to the New, York, New England Patriots either, but it could be, it seems. But, um, <laughs> well, the book is kind of about uh, um, the stark contrast in, our, uh, in the attitude toward cheating, even in our own lifetimes, um, and in sports, which reflects 99% of the human experience, um, you know, the, the penalties were much more draconian uh, decades and decades ago. You mean like being tarred feathered, that kind of thing? <laughs> or at least being, you know, banished for life from your sport, which, which, you know, is a crushing thing to suddenly turn around and say, you will never be on a baseball diamond again, which is what happened to a great pitcher named Jim Devlin. When he was caught cheating in the 19th century, they said, that is it. And he couldn't handle it mentally or emotionally. So um, nobody's going to say that now, as I like to think. I'm trying to count, but I think you get nine strikes and you're out in baseball these days if you're caught doing something. Unless you're Pete Rose, (laughs) who's out of the game forever. But there were many strikes against Pete Rose. We're speaking with J.M. Fenster about her new book, Cheaters Always Win, The Story of America. These days, in the context of sports, when we think about cheating, um, there are all different kinds of ways to approach it, right? I mean, there are those who say, I think this comes from NASCAR, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Yeah. Um, uh, and you write about that as well. Um, but, you know, there is at the core of kind of the American story, there's Parson Weems and there's George Washington and... and Cheating and lying are not the same thing, but they are related. Uh, you know, the, the cherry tree. Right. Um, how did cheating become more acceptable over the centuries? Well, I'm not exactly sure, but I, I'm, um, I'm sure that, uh, that part of it is a, a general aura of understanding, you know, which I'm normally in favor of. But uh, another thing is hero worship and the, the actual you know, asset value of a of a great player these days is too much to banish from, you know, you're not going to banish a star pitcher for life because he's probably going to be just plain too valuable to too many people on a monetary basis. So um, the general prosperity of the nation where we're not as dog-eat-dog as we once were, um, and I guess like a lot of slippery slopes, there might not be any one one reason, but the contrast is there. Julie, we like to think of ourselves as a people who believe, and I guess most most people around the world like to think of themselves this way, people who believe in fair play, in honesty, in integrity. Um, 
but there's also, uh, you know, there's also an appreciation at time for, for people who can get away with it. You know, whether it's the romance of, you know, outlaws or certain bank robbers, um, you know, uh, people in sports who have succeeded. Uh, you know, where does that come from? Where does the, um, the ability to kind of celebrate cheating also uh, lie in our character? Well, I, you know what I look at a lot, and it enters into college sports in particular, but but all sports is this need to bond. You know, our our our, um, our the nonconformist or the rugged individualist is really pretty well gone from the American scene, and people bond so much that you know you can barely walk through certain towns if you're not wearing the right sweatshirt or or hat with the college team on it. And so when your team does something bad. It's considered bravado, um, and when the other, you know, some other team does something bad, it's cheating. Um, then they're they're crooked. So I'm starting to distrust our our very need to load up our identity with the identity of some team. You know, it's great. I love sports more than anybody you've ever met, and yet sometimes I think we get subsumed by our. Uh, by the teams we associate with, and then lose our judgment, lose our ability to criticize. We're speaking with J.M. Fedster about her new book, Cheaters Always Win, The Story of America. Um, why do cheaters win? I think they win, in my sense, you know, we all know that they they may well get the championship like a certain, certain uh, Texas baseball team that's under... A cloud right now. The, the Astros seem to have used um, some really backward methods to communicate stolen signals, as you, I'm sure you know very well, which was specifically against the rules of baseball. But um, so, so they win in that sense. Whether that'll stand, we'll find out. But I think they also win because every time they get away with something, we are all a little bit more scarred and. The sun comes up the next morning, so it's less dramatic with each with each time they they win our our society, if you will, if that isn't too broad. If they when when they get when they get away with it and we all shrug, then they win. You know, it, it interests me, Julie, this this way that we make distinctions in our mind between acceptable forms of cheating and unacceptable forms of cheating. And, and why some victories are tarnished by cheating that we learn of subsequently, and some aren't. Right now, uh, you know, what's going on with the Astros, uh, the fact that there is so much evidence that they were stealing signs, communicating those signs to their own hitters in a season in which they would win the World Series 2017, it, it, it seems in many people's minds to seriously diminish the achievement. And yet when we think of teams that won World Series at the turn of the uh, 21st century, which might have featured several players that we learned subsequently were using steroids, which was against the rules and are specifically used to uh, enhance performance, um, we don't. Is it, is it simply because in something like steroids, we just figure that everybody was doing it or 80% of the players were doing it or 70% of the players were doing it and therefore um, it's like the Peloton and the Tour de France where if everybody's cheating, nobody's cheating? Yeah, yeah. Notice I didn't even broach bicycle bicycle racing in this book because it would be a 
endless. But um, but I I agree with you that people who lose their way, lose their lose their integrity, lose their ability to to, to judge, um, are sometimes influenced by by the you know the the press the 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 word is out so to speak so in the case of like major league baseball one of my favorite sports the the fact that the team is cheating and that's the case with the new england patriots as well is a little bit harder to um absorb or to forgive than when one or one or two players may have been cheating and then you can say well the rest of the team was was on the up and up so so there are I, I mention that because there's so many gray areas. There's so many ways to excuse and to back out of, you know, the hard decision, the hard criticism. And they're all practiced these days, especially among sports fans who who are loath to criticize their own teams or to, to abandon their own teams. We're speaking with Jam Fenster. Her new book is Cheaters Always Win, The Story of America. And my favorite sports cheater probably of all time, I would have to say, and there's a lot of competition, might be Boris Onyshenko, who was um, a modern pentathlete competing at the Olympic Games for the Soviet Union in Montreal in 1976. He was a medalist in 1972 at the Games in Munich, and in 1976, he was caught rigging his epee to register false touches. Oh, right. I'm sure you know, you know the, the modern pentathlon is... What is it? It's running, swimming, fencing, shooting, and riding. Um, and he was he was kicked out of the Olympics. I thought you know that's one of the uh, more interesting um, efforts uh, to 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 cheat and, and profit from that cheating. Who's your favorite cheater? Boy, you you're putting me on the spot a little bit because um, do I have a favorite cheater in in sports? It, it's uh, what a great question. I mean, I'm I'm very much taken with our friend Jim Devlin. Tell me a little bit about his story. What what happened in the early days of the National League? Yeah, the early days, the there were there were many schemes for cheating on on the baseball field. Most of which were along the lines of point shaving, where you could still win the game, but you'd give up a few runs in a certain inning, so to so the gamblers would win, but the team would also win. And Jim was Jim Devlin, who was you know, he had an ERA of 1.50, you know, and pitched, he was a monster pitching hundreds and hundreds of innings every year. And if I can interject, he probably would have made even more money than Garrett Cole at this point. You know, he would have made a half a billion a year, right? But, I mean, uh, on a contract. But but he was caught cheating as as ever about half a dozen of his fellow players on the Louisville Grays were all caught. And um, the others made their peace with the fact that they were banished. Um, Jim Devlin could not make his peace with it and tried for the rest of his short life to get back uh, and wrote to the commissioner, the first you know, effective commissioner in baseball, William Hul- Hulbert, wrote to him almost every day, visited him, did anything he could to get back in. And the image of that fellow you know, we've all done something, I guess, we we regret, but he was one of the only ones I've read about that could not reverse it, no matter what happened. He couldn't apologize enough to get back into baseball. So, so um, I, I, I think he's a great example of somebody that, that, you know, ruined his sport for a little while in the, in the, in the eyes of the commissioner, 
baseball couldn't survive if people like Jim Devlin were allowed to cheat again and again. So the only way to make sure he didn't was to ban him from baseball. Jim Fetzer's new book is Cheaters Always Win, the story of America. Julie, thank you so much for joining us here to talk about your book. I'm very thrilled to be here. Thank you. I'm Jeremy Schapp. And you can listen to new editions of The Sporting Life every Saturday and Sunday morning on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, beginning at 6 a.m. Eastern Time.